Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zoe Japan podcast, the place where you can learn more about child trafficking here in Japan. My name is Aneri. And this is Yuri. We're so happy to be back in the studio after a very long absence. Yes, it's been a very long time. I think it's probably been more than a year, Yuri.、Mm. Right? Might be. And to all our listeners, we are so sorry about our long absence. We were not being lazy, we were actually being very focused. We had some prevention work to do as part of the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics last year, which、yeah. was just amazing.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, then we had to wait to move into our new office. And that means a new studio as well. Yes, today is the first recording in a new studio here. I'm so excited. Oh, it looks amazing. We wish you guys could be here. It's just so much fun. So, totally awesome. So, Yuri, what are we talking about today? We're talking about sex trafficking of boys under 18. Oh, that is almost like a secret or forbidden topic in Japan, right? Nobody talks about that. I think this is going to be a very, very interesting episode. Mm hmm. Yeah, we really want to start the discussion in our society because we are seeing more and more cases where the vulnerability of boys is being exploited. And of course, children that are victims often become perpetrators when they grow up. So it's just a vicious cycle that we need to stop.、Mm, totally agree. Recently, I was doing some online research on this topic,、uh, specifically boys trafficking,、mm-hmm. and there really is very, very limited information available,、mm. at least information that relates specifically to Japan. Um, exploitation of boys and men through labor trafficking, that is more common.、Mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan, we have a lot of exploitation through the technical intern trainee program.、Mm-hmm. And I think many listeners have heard about that. But sex trafficking of men or boys, that is very seldom mentioned, if at all. Yes. And this is about Japanese boys under 18 being victims. So it's very rare to talk about.、Mm. And I think there are two main aspects to consider. First of all, there is still a cultural view that boys cannot be victims of sex crimes. So it makes it very、mm. hard for boys to speak out or to be taken seriously when they do. And this is not just Japan. That is so true. You know, if you look at news articles that deal with,、uh, let me just use a random example.、Mm-hmm. Let's say we have a little girl that is being sexually abused by a teacher at her school.、Mm-hmm. The typical comments that you will see、um, below those articles from the general public. Would be, you know, this teacher should be fired. This、mm. guy should be behind bars for the rest of his life. But when you have the same article where it's a young boy that might be sexually molested by his female teacher,、mm. then the comments would be things like, oh, lucky him, or I wish that was me when I was in school. So、mm. just the behavior of society in all countries, but especially here in Japan, very, very different when boys are the victims.、Mm. And then more blame towards boys as well. Oh,、mm. he must have been, you know, seducing the woman or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And secondly, the Penal Code of Japan was only adopted in 2017 to recognize males as possible victims of rape. Before that, the definition of rape was limited to biological females only. So, male victims that had the courage to speak out had an additional legal hurdle to be recognized as victims because of this legal definition. And that's pretty interesting.、Um... Looking at the cultural side versus the legal side,、mm-hmm. I think that we can't really separate these things because changing the legal definition doesn't mean that the perception in society will automatically change.、Mm-hmm. If we just take a, an example outside of Japan, if we look at the caste system in India, a discrimination based on caste is something that was outlawed in the late 1940s, maybe 1948, somewhere around there.、Mm-hmm. But in certain parts of the country, it is still widely practiced. So, this is a typical example of it 
how it can take decades for the cultural shift to take place after a law has been changed. Mm, you're absolutely right. It takes a long time. The concept of rape was never applied to boys culturally for a long time. So even though we have made some progress by adjusting the legal definition, for people to recognize boys as victims of sex trafficking uh, is still a long way to go. Um, so let's go a little bit deeper here. What are some of the main ways in which boys are being groomed and then eventually trafficked? Mm-hmm. For sex trafficking, uh, online games is definitely one of the main areas. And this is not unique to Japan. I remember we touched on this in our internet safety episode last year. Maybe for the listeners that didn't have a chance to listen to that episode, can you describe the process a little bit? How exactly does it work? Mm, no problem. It's actually quite similar to sextortion taking place on social media platforms. Traffickers often use these online games to target boys in a specific age group. The trafficker will typically set up a fake profile pretending to be much younger, more handsome, all these things, right? Mm. And then send a friend request to young boys in that age group. Then grooming starts from there. I have seen some examples of these fake profiles and it mm. is so real, complete with a teenager or young boy's profile picture. Um, they use the right kind of language. They even make the same spelling mistakes, mm. you know, just as the kids would do. So really hard to see that this could potentially not be real. Yeah, very legitimate, which means that even cautious parents can easily be fooled thinking that this is a child in the same school or class as their own child, just playing video games um, innocently. So what happens once the child accepts this friend request from this stranger? Hmm. In many cases, the friendship will be transferred to a different message platform like Line app or Twitter or other p- social media platforms. So even the game app loses tracks of the discussion between the child and the trafficker. The trafficker will then start by sending sexy photos or videos to that child, not necessarily pornography kind of contents yet, because they are still testing the child's reaction little by little. And the child might be, you know, a little bit shocked in the beginning, but in most cases, it just arouses their curiosity to see more. I can only imagine with young teenage boys, if they're at that age where they're becoming interested in girls or maybe at school, they've already been exposed to some pornography um, Mm. being shared by their friends, um, then they are not going to run to mom and dad to expose what this trafficker is trying to do. They will definitely try to keep it secret and maybe even ask for more content. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this is the uh, trafficker's first win. The child is now keeping a secret from his parents about sexual explicit content. So there is almost, in a sense, uh, distance from the parents, right? Mm-hmm. The trafficker will start to send more and more hardcore content. And it will also demand that the child starts sending nude selfies in return. This sounds exactly like this extortion that we are seeing with the girls that we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trafficker by this time probably already knows exactly which school the child goes to, mm-hmm. uh, who his friends are, uh, even who his parents are, or his address, mm-hmm. just all the personal details. And of course, if this child doesn't give in to the demands by sending these sexually explicit photos or videos, then the trafficker will threaten that he's going to expose this child's online behavior to his community and friends. Exactly. The trafficker has everything ready. Yeah. Maybe you can just reflect a little bit on some findings in the U.S. I just want to hear your perspective from a Japanese point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across a report from the Cyber Tip Line. And for the listeners that are not familiar with that, uh, the Cyber Tip Line is a U.S. online reporting system for exploitation of children. 
and it's operated by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and really has been in place for many years and a lot of experience. So they get thousands of tips and calls every year. Mm. And in 2017, they analyzed the calls. And I just want to read this one um, extract from their report. And this relates specifically to boys then. When children were in direct communication with offenders, boys, especially older boys, mm. were disproportionately more likely to have sent sexually explicit content of themselves or to receive sexually explicit images of offenders or engage in mutual exchange of sexually explicit images and even make specific plans to meet those offenders in person. Mm. So this is U.S. data. It's a lot of data that they analyzed. But how do you think this compares with Japan? <laughs> wow, that's such an important and valuable uh, data. Unfortunately, we don't have this kind of analysis for Japan yet. So I will have to give my personal opinion um, based on what I've seen. But I believe their findings apply to all countries, including Japan. Why do you think that is? Is it because boys are just bigger risk takers? Mm, there are probably a variety of factors, but what immediately comes to my mind is the availability of pornography both mm. online and within, you know, friendship, you know, friends community. Boys are much more exposed to pornography than girls and usually at a younger age. And any kind of exposure to pornography at a young age will make that child significantly more vulnerable to exploitation. I read somewhere, this is not specifically for Japan, just in general, that mm -hmm. the average age that children are exposed to in many places is 11. And of course, when children are exposed to pornography this early, they become sexually very curious and traffickers are really feeding off this sexual curiosity. Mm. Yeah, there was an actual case uh, where we dealt with in the past where a teenage boy was tricked into appearing pornographic videos by traffickers making him think that he could have sex with young, pretty girls and make easy money from that. But little did he know he was raped, actually, by older men. And this vicious act was filmed, published, and sold as homosexual pornographic content. Mm -hmm. So this kind of a sexual curiosity could be easily taken uh, advantage uh, by traffickers. And in addition, there's this uh, cultural angle that we talked about earlier. As a society, we don't really think about boys becoming victims of sexual crimes. And that means that we don't make an effort to educate them about the risk. I think this is actually a good opportunity to just share with our listeners a little bit more around what Zoe is doing in terms of education. And because we can't only rely on the school sex education system, mm -hmm. then I think we will move too slow. So um, as Zoe Japan, we are extremely focused on the prevention education, specifically through social media, because that is where the kids are. And that is also where a lot of the perpetrators are, mm -hmm. to be honest. So um, we do a lot of our education through Instagram and through Twitter, because those are some of the main trafficking platforms here in Japan. And um, we post at least three times a week that we get content out targeted specifically at teenagers. And sometimes we use paid ads to just extend the reach of these prevention materials. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting for me when I look at the detailed statistics that over the last few months, the posts that we've had for boys, we can really see an extremely high engagement rate. Mm -hmm. They read, they go and visit our um, profile page, they engage with those tweets. Um, and some of them also go to our website and actually look at our hotline page. 
I really feel like we are only starting to scratch the surface in terms of what is going on here. Mm -hmm. That is very true. And I'm just really happy that we can use social media to help them understand that what is happening to them is wrong. And mm -hmm. that it's not their fault, obviously. And hopefully more and more of them will have the courage to reach out to us for support. And we need to pay more attention to boys around this issue because they could be victims or future perpetrator, as we mentioned earlier. Education is such a key. And if you are listening to this and wondering, what can I do? How can I be involved? Especially if you have your own sons and you have a, a really mm. strong passion to support boys. I think one of the main ways in which you can support is to just connect with us on social media. Mm. And um, especially with Twitter and Instagram, where we're targeting the kids, you know, just connect and retweet or share or like or whatever format can be used in order to help to get those posts out. Um, for those that are not that actively involved in those specific or on those specific social media channels, if you feel like you would like to sponsor one of the paid ads, then you can do that for as little as $30. We've run many successful campaigns for $30. So if you would like to do that, you can make a donation through our website and just specify that this is for social media. Mm -hmm. And we will make sure that 100% of that donation is used to push out prevention content, specifically through Twitter and Instagram. Mm, that's a great way to be involved because boys are under pressure that they need to be strong, even when they experience some sort of abuse or any kind of abuse or um, or are in uncomfortable situations. But in reality, boys are also looking for a place where they can get help and talk about the experience. They're desperate as well. So mm. these social media campaigns really opens the door for them to get help. Yeah. Uh, Yuri, this is great. But unfortunately, this is all we have time mm. for today. Time flies. <laughs> exactly. So for listeners, you will have to tune into our future episodes if you want to learn more about this topic. And remember, you can become a voice for the voiceless by spreading the word. So please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or learn more on our website, which is gozoi.jp. Until next time. Matane. Please support Zoe Japan. With your help, we can reach every person and rescue every child.